Well, hello there, people. So this is episode 24. Welcome to episode 24 of the Igniting Financial Freedom Podcast. I'm hoping this is streaming live to my YouTube channel and to my Facebook Live channel. So crossing my fingers, this is going the way it's supposed to. So uh, for those of you listening on the podcast, you are not seeing my beautiful face talk to you. But for those of you listening live, I was too um, sort to suffer through it as I get through this. So today on episode 24, we are going to answer what is a 401k and should you invest in one? I'm going to cover a few things to consider as you start investing in a 401k, and then I'm going to offer a resource that will help you along the way. Stick around because we're going to cover the ways to help you ignite financial freedom. Welcome to the Igniting Financial Freedom Podcast, where I give you perspective as if I'm in your shoes so that you can remove the worry of money and create the life you want for you and your family. I'm your host, Clark Bradley. I've helped countless others reach their goals. Are you ready to join me as you pursue financial freedom? All right, so welcome to episode 24 of the Igniting Financial Freedom Podcast. Today, I'm answering the question, what is a 401k and should you invest in one? Um, so it does depend it's kind of a loaded question, I would say. Um, so it's kind of a loaded question because it depends. If you have, and it really depends on if you have a company match. If your 401k has a, uh, offers you a company match, which means you put in so much of a percentage of your paycheck and they match you so much of a percentage, then there pretty much isn't a reason unless you're, unless you're literally facing bankruptcy. There really isn't a reason why you shouldn't be contributing. Okay. In the previous few episodes, I've talked about certain assumptions that I would like to see in place before you start investing. Those assumptions don't apply directly because if you're going to pass up free money, I don't think that's a wise move. So even though you might not have your 2% emergency fund, I've talked about that before. Again, that's let's say you make $80,000 as a couple, as a family, your 2% emergency fund would be based on 2% of your annual income which in this case is 80,000. That's a $1,600 emergency fund, baby starter emergency fund. I wouldn't necessarily want to have to have you put that 1,600 in place before you start investing in your 401k. There are contrary opinions on this, contrary schools of thought. Um, And I can get into that a little bit as well. The second assumption I had was that you should be paying off all your bad debt prior to investing. But again, I would set that aside with the notion that you're going to be passing up free money in order to pay off the bad debt. So, and then the final one would be a definitive and, a, and a more of an automated plan to fund your three-month emergency fund and to set up and to fund your sinking funds. Again, I have previous episodes on that if you want to learn a little bit more. So in, the, in a nutshell, I would say you can start investing within your company 401k, whether it's a 401k or 403b. 403b is just for nonprofits. So if you work in a school or a hospital, you're probably familiar with that. But I would invest up to that company match and then go back to, okay, do I have my 2% emergency fund in, in cash? Do I have my sinking funds started? Do I have my bad debt paid off? And if not, what steps am I taking now to automate that, to get that going, and then to continue to pay yourself first for the long term for investing? So, uh, those are some of the assumptions. Again, those are set aside just in this case because of that company match. The free money there is too good to pass up 
in the name of building your emergency fund or paying off your bad debt or building your sinking funds and so on. So take advantage of that. If you don't have the match on your 401k, 403b through work, whatever it might be, 457, then just go through some of those basic parameters to start. All right. So what is a 401k? 401k, the name itself is actually just the, the subset of the tax code subsection 401k. It's just the rules behind how the 401k operates. Similar in a way to a Roth IRA or traditional IRA. The name itself is just the bucket. Okay. So imagine you have a bucket, right? The bucket itself is an account that you could open. It's sponsored or offered through a company on behalf of your employer. So some of you might have 401ks through Empower or BlackRock or Fidelity or Vanguard or a dozen other different companies, they're going to offer the 401k to you as an employee of your company with the idea that you're going to participate in the 401k and put X amount of dollars or X percent of your paycheck into that 401k every paycheck or once a month or whatever interval they allow you to choose. A vast majority of 401ks, 403bs, the employers will offer a match percentage, which simply means uh, you make $50,000 a year. You've um, you've agreed to put in 5% of your paycheck, every single paycheck. Okay. So $2,500 a year is going into your 401k, right? A little slice of it every paycheck. Okay. Roughly, what is that? 200 and change every month. Okay. So let's just pretend you get a hundred bucks every twice a month uh, into your 401k. Well, if your company allows you percent match, that means that another $100 on their behalf is going into your 401k every single paycheck. So $2,500 a year is going in on your behalf. $2,500 a year is going in on your company's behalf. So that is the killer piece to this whole thing. And that is why I'm, I'm allowing you to kind of move around or circumnavigate the emergency fund requirement assumption and the bad debt requirement that you need to pay off and the emergency fund and sinking fund assumptions that I'm making before you start investing. In this case, if the 401k, if you have the match, get up to the match, get that 3%, get that 5%, whatever it is, get that funded completely because you're leaving 2,500 bucks on the table in that example I made if you're not doing that. Okay. From there, once you hit the match, then if some of those assumptions aren't met, go back, work on those, then come back and put more money into the 401k or Listen to my last episode about Roth IRAs. Maybe that's an option for you if you qualify, right? Okay, so then from there, keeping in mind that there is a um, there's a few other there's a few other conditions or or, or pieces that I want to cover on this. So you have the ability to contribute up to nineteen thousand five hundred a year into the four hundred one k. For most of you, that'll be plenty of enough room to do what you need to do, right? You have a sixty five hundred dollar catch up provision if you're over fifty years, giving you a full amount of twenty six thousand annually to dump into this thing, which is great. That's the 401k parameters. 403b parameters should be the same. Don't quote me on any of that. And then you've got other either uh, employer sponsored plan, like a 457 if you're a government employee or some other uh, employee sponsored, employer sponsored plans that are maybe a little bit different if if you work for a smaller employer, uh, maybe like a solo 401k or a SEP IRA or something that you can participate in that will work similarly, but may not have a match condition within them. Okay. So the match percentage, let's use the same example, the 2,500 bucks a year that your employer puts in at 5%. That typically goes into the traditional side of the 401k. 
that means that it's going to behave from a tax standpoint like your traditional IRA, meaning the money goes in and it's taxed when you're ready to pull it out. You don't get the tax advantage, the tax deduction right now, but after 59 and a half, as long as you're that age, you can pull that money out with no penalty. Okay. Um, so so the, your contributions go into, uh, into that bucket as well. If you have the option to do a Roth 401k, I would certainly encourage you to do that for your part, for your 5%, your $2,500 a year. Okay. So then you're create, essentially creating two buckets. You've got the Roth 401k, which is all of your money going in, and you've got your employer's chunk, which typically goes in, boom, once a year, so usually in the springtime, depending on when they do their, you know, reconcile their books. Uh, that 2500 goes in, boom, into the traditional 401k once a year. And then you, and it grows and grows and grows. You've got the after-tax money in the Roth 401k, and you've got the pre-tax money that the employer puts in in the traditional or, or regular side of the 401k. Should you take a withdrawal or, or leave the company and close the accounts, you're going to, of course, pay income tax on the pre-tax bucket that the employer contributes. Or if you do the traditional 401k, you're, you're going to pay income tax on that. And then you're also going to pay a 10% early withdrawal penalty. So it really is ideal to leave this alone as long as you can. Treat it like a long-term bucket. Treat it like a retirement account. It's, it's 59 and a half age or later money. Think of it as, okay, if I'm 25, I'm 30 right now. I've got 25, 30, 35 years. So I'm not touching this. Whenever that 59 and a half mark hits for you. That's when you should be thinking about this money. This is long-term savings, long-term bucket, right? The longest term bucket, if you will. Okay. So the advantages, of course, is that you're deferring taxes. You're deferring income. You're deferring uh, any capital gains or dividends on the money that's in these in this bucket, whether it's the Roth or the traditional or some combination of the two. So you're not going to be paying taxes on the dividends or taxes on the interest or taxes on any of the gains as time goes on, which is a huge advantage. You would get a tax deduction if you contributed to the traditional side of the 401k. You, of course, don't get the tax deduction if you contribute to the Roth side of the 401k because the first part goes in pre-tax. So you get the tax deduction, but then you pay tax on the back end. The, the Roth part goes in after tax into the account. And then when you take it out, you, you take it out tax-free, but you don't get the tax deduction on the front end. So things to consider. If it were me, if I had to pick one, again, this is me. Can't say I'm, I'm what you do on your in your situation, but I would I would consider the Roth 401k. And I did participate in that while I was working for uh, for an employer. Okay, so at this point, uh, you're wondering, should you invest in one? Yeah, I mean, short answer is yes, you should, particularly if you have a match offered. If you don't have a match, um, I would consider some of the assumptions I mentioned first and make sure those are lined up and completed or, 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 you know, checked boxes checked, if you will, before I considered investing in the 401k, I would consider a Roth IRA prior to considering the Roth 401k. Cause it's a little more versatile. You have a lot more options to consider inside the Roth 401k. Again, excuse me, inside the Roth IRA, assuming that you don't have a match. If you don't have a match, it's not as advantageous. So that's some things to consider and to weigh, depending on, and it will hopefully help make your decision. You do have quite a few options traditionally with inside a 401k plan. Take a look at the actual funds themselves and the options you have within there. I've talked previously about just some generic recommendations on what types of funds you can you should consider. I'll talk about that here 
closer to the end of this this episode. Um, so again, the biggest the biggest driver for this is you're 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 foregoing some of the parameters if there's a match with your form and K four or three B. If there isn't, go back and and so- satisfy some of those parameters on what I mentioned, some of those assumptions in the beginning. You're doing up to the full match, and you're looking at the Roth four hundred one k if it's available. There's something called the vesting schedule, which means the let's use the twenty five hundred example again. Okay, so twenty five hundred bucks is going in every year on your employer's behalf, for your behalf, but your employer is doing it for you. Let's say your vesting schedule is five years, and it's just flat out you're one hundred percent vested after five years. What that means to you is that after five years, let's just say you're making 50,000 after five years, no raises just to keep the number simple. You're going to have 12,500 on behalf of your employer in their contribution side of your 401k bucket, right? So you've got their contributions on your behalf, 12,500 sitting there. That's assuming no growth. Obviously it should be higher over a five-year period. The vesting schedule works, though, that you would typically have to stay at your employer for that five-year period in order to take that 12500 with you if and when you leave the company. If you leave before the four, five, you know, five-year mark, your 12500 that you've contributed, you take that with you, but you leave that twelve five from your employer's contributions on the table. Okay, so be very crystal clear on how your vesting schedule works with your employer and know where you're at on that timeline and how that sways into how long you plan on staying. Okay. You do have the ability to take loans on a 401k. What that means to you is you can basically borrow against it. You're borrowing from yourself and you are taking money out at sometimes four, six, seven, eight percent in order to take out cash. It doesn't count as a distribution. It doesn't count as taking money out like you would if you took a straight withdrawal. It's a loan. So you're taking 5,000, 10,000, usually up to a certain percentage of your balance. Usually like half of the balance is the most you can take out and you're paying yourself back at, you know, seven, eight percent or whatever it might be, six percent. Not the best choice. Okay. I did this uh, when I had to. Uh, Maybe I shouldn't phrase it that way. I chose to. Okay. And um, looking back now, wouldn't have done it because you're taking a loan against yourself. You're you're costing yourself interest, and you're paying yourself back with your own money, and, and it's costing you interest. So, and then all of that money is out of the market, not appreciating the gains from the market. So, if your if your if your account was making eight percent on average a year, and now it's costing you four percent interest on that same money, that's a twelve percent swing, right? Positive eight down to negative four. It's a big difference. Okay. There is portability to 401ks in that you leave your employer, you can take that money with you. Again, when I talked about vesting schedule, figuring in the fact that whether or not you're vested with their chunk of money that they've contributed. But let's say you are vested. You take your your 12.5 and their 12.5. Now you've got 25 grand. Depending on what types of buckets you've contributed to, let's say your money was put into the Roth side and their money, of course, was put into the traditional or the pre-tax 401k side, you would have to set up a, let's say, a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA for the Roth 401k chunk going into the Roth IRA and the traditional uh, 401k going into the traditional IRA. 
That way you keep them separate from a tax standpoint. You don't want to combine them. Uh, it just makes it a little messy. You could also roll those into a new account with your new employer at the new 401k. That's a possibility that makes it easy. Or you can leave it at your old employer if you really wanted to. Okay, so keep in mind, uh, one other thing I'll add, there's there's what you could do is an annual increase or step up in your contribution percentage, which is a very good habit to get into. So that's what I'd say is definitely a pro tip. If you want to start at 5% and you're getting a 5% match, you do a 1% annual increase. And after that third, fourth, fifth year, now you're at 10% contribution limit, contribution mark at that fifth year. And it's only stepped up 1% a year. So again, if you're putting 2,500 bucks in a year and you're going up 1%, that's only an extra, what is that? 500 bucks on a $50,000 salary. You're not going to feel that all that much, right? That, what is that? 40 something dollars a month, $22 a paycheck. Probably. I don't know what that is just off the top of my head. You're not going to feel that, but after five years, yes, it's a hundred dollars more total per paycheck from, from year one to year five, but those incremental increases, you're not going to feel that. Okay. So that's how you begin to grow that wealth is to drive up that savings rate and and I love setting things up automatically to just protect yourself from yourself, remove yourself from the equation, put that auto increase on there and leave it alone. Okay. And it just continues to climb. And before you know it, your savings rate is 10, 15, 20%. Okay. So go to your 401k provider, look through the list of funds that they have available. Go back to a couple previous episodes where I talk about the types of funds you should have, the types of investments you might want to consider. But just to keep it simple and and kind of a quick run back. Ideally, you're going to look for something that's an index-based fund. It's going to have a majority of its investments within stock. If you're you know, in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s even, you're still going to have a majority of your investments in stock. Okay, If you're working, let's say you're still at a, a 60 or a 65-year mark for when you want to retire, a majority of your investments should be in stock overall. Okay, Unless you're already retired or close to retirement, vast majority, 70, 80% or higher should be in stock. Okay. Ideally, you're looking for something that is broadly diversified. It's a mutual fund that owns multiple thousands of companies, stock and bond, but again, mostly stock. Could be internationally based, could be just US based, because nowadays most US companies are global, right? Apple's based in California, but they sell iPhones all over the place. Tesla's based in wherever they're based, but they sell cars all over the place, right? Amazon's based in wherever they're based in, but they sell stuff all over the world. So yes, they're an American company, but they're certainly global, okay? And altogether, we've got to make sure that you know how much these funds are costing you. Research the expense ratio, know how much it costs you, and know that number. Keep that below, ideally, 0.2%. So one-fifth of 1%, okay? All right, so I think that is all I have for you today. Overall, I would say if you have a match, participate in your 401k. If you don't consider a Roth IRA as a replacement from that. If you don't have some of those parameters lined up, like I mentioned in the beginning of the episode with, with your emergency fund cash, your bad debt, your sinking fund, work on getting those lined up, work on achieving those milestones. Okay. If all of this is a little bit confusing, a little bit, uh, kind of a lot of moving pieces or of, coaching client of mine said a lot of spinning plates. You're trying to spin the plates on the sticks. Remember those guys in the circus where they're like, yeah, if that's like how you're feeling right now, 
schedule a 30 minute strategy session with me, ignitingfinancialfreedom.com slash coaching. We will set up a strategy session. I will walk through all this with you and guide you in the lens of what I would do in your shoes. Okay. I've been in financial services for 12 years. I've talked with countless number of clients in these exact scenarios on what they should do and why they should do it. And I'd be glad to talk with you. So that is all I have for you today. Again, ignitingfinancialfreedom.com slash coaching. Stay tuned. I will have additional episodes where I take in your biggest questions related to money. I'm actually going to be doing a live here shortly because I am out of town coming up. So I gotta, I'm coming back at you here. Maybe later today. We'll see. Lots of fun. All right, people. Stay tuned. And uh, I'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for listening to the Igniting Financial Freedom Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to see future episodes. Go ahead, give it a rating and review so I can help more people ignite their financial freedom. And I wish you good fortune. I'll see you next time.